Well, as Mark said, my name is Adam, and I am so glad to be here with you tonight. I am the San Jose campus pastor, and uh, what's really cool for me is this is my first time speaking at Sanctuary, which is a little nerve-wracking because I have, this community just means so much to me. So I got hired at Menlo Church about five years ago, uh, and I started coming to this community, and I have met some of my best friends and my closest friends to this community. Uh, actually, where I sat was kind of in that back corner, and I saw some of my friends back there. You guys have the best seats. Well done. Well done. You got the elevation going for you. It's awesome. Uh, but it, this community is so great. And so when Mark asked me if I would come and share what God has been teaching me, what God has been doing in my life, I absolutely said, yes, I would love to come and do that. Uh, again, this is just a meaningful community. So my hope is that by sharing what God has been doing in my life, what I have been learning, that he will be able to use this community and this space and this place to bless you and challenge you in your faith journey as well. Well, again, so I started working here at Metal Church five years ago, so I got hired when I was 23 years old to work on the middle school team over at our Menlo Park campus, so just right up here. Uh, so I was on a team of three. I was planning events. I was doing skits. I was dressing like a crazy guy. So there's a picture that they're going to show you now, and you're going to be like, who is this? <laughs> yes, that is me. And so uh, this character was Compare the Bear. This was a skit that we were doing. Uh, and so I would smash things with a hammer. Uh, and so I would, I'm proud to say that I have kind of evolved in my, my journey. So I no longer wear kilts or uh, luchador masks on Sundays. Uh, but it was just a meaningful time for me. But if you would have even told me at that point five years ago or even 10 years ago that I would still be living here in California, I'm originally from Ohio, that I would be a campus pastor as a part of Menlo Church, I would literally have called you crazy and probably started laughing. It's just not what I would have thought was going to happen. You know? And for me, as the more I think about my life, the more I'm baffled that God has placed me in this place and put me in this role. I don't know about you, but sometimes I look back on my life, and I'm like, man, I am just so stupid. Like, it's, you can laugh. It's okay. It, it, really, I am not the brightest individual. And so I'm like, God, how have you been able to use me in this role? God, how have you been able to call me, use me to talk to people, like Mark said, whether it's at Mount Hermon, at our San Jose campus, I was talking to the youth up here, the students. God has been able to use me in incredible ways. And so, I don't know about you, but maybe you have a story or something in your life where you're just like, yeah, when I think about my decisions, and they're not always the greatest. There's that one story that comes to mind. And this story for me, I have shared so many times that it even has its own name now. Uh, and the name of the story is Grand Theft Taco. Now, I'm going to share an abbreviated version of this because I could go all night on this story. But what's interesting is when I think about how flawed of an individual I am, this is usually the first thing that comes to mind. So I was in college, and a bunch of my friends and I, we were going through a Taco Bell drive-thru. And we're in the Taco Bell drive-thru, and we have this brilliant idea that we're going to try and steal Taco Bell. Now, you're probably looking and thinking, why would you steal Taco Bell? Did, were you broke? Were you poor? The answer is no to all of those. The only solution or the answer I can come up with is that we were just a bunch of 18-year-old children. That's the only reason. So we're in the Taco Bell drive-thru. I'm going to skip ahead. And honestly, we, we didn't get any food. For our efforts, all we ended up with was some hot sauce packets. And so now we're driving away, and we're punching our friend because he messed up our plan. And as we're driving away, we run a red light. Spoiler alert, we did not know we ran a red light. So we go through the next intersection, and four cop cars pull us over, and we're all terrified. We're all moving around in the car. So they draw their weapons. They tell us to put our hands where we can see them. They pull us out of the car. They frisk us, put our hands behind our backs, and I'm standing on the sidewalk thinking, I'm going to jail for trying to steal a chalupa. <laughs> That's what's going through my mind. And so 
what that night turned out in a variety, you can ask me later how it eventually turned out. But what you have to know is when I think about how flawed and stupid I am, I'm like, Adam, you're such a ding-ding. Why would you have done that? I don't have an answer. And so I think back to my life, and I think back on all those things, but yet God has been able to use me. And I can share that story with you now because I'm not, it's not a story that I look back on and I struggle to forgive myself or give myself grace on. But there are a number of stories, there's a number of things in my life, when I look back, I have a hard time sharing. You know, that story, I made a lot of mistakes. You know, I you know, tried to steal. I lied to the police about what we were doing. I punched my friend. I don't feel really that bad about that one. But, uh, but I did those three things. But there's other things that, again, even to this day, I have to be honest, I am still working through. I'm still learning how to give myself grace and forgiveness whether it's the drug abuse that I was a part of, the fights that I was in, whether it's the unhealthy dating relationships that I was a part of, the, the enabling relationships, the friendships that I was in, all of those things I can look back on and I can struggle to say, man, I forgive myself for that. And maybe for you it's not a college experience that looks like it's a scene from this movie Old School. Maybe there's something else in your life that you have a hard time giving yourself grace or forgiveness for. Maybe for you it was something that you said to a friend or a parent or a sibling. And you said that thing and you wish you could take it back, but you damaged that relationship and now you have a hard time extending yourself the grace you need to move forward. Or maybe there's a time where you saw an injustice happening and you decided to do nothing. And then as you saw the events play out, you saw that something tragic actually happened, and now you wonder, if you would have stepped in and done something, could you have changed the outcome? Could you have made a difference? And so the weight of your inaction weighs heavy on you, and you have a hard time giving yourself grace or forgiveness. And if I'm honest, again, there are times where I look in the mirror, and I do not like the person who is looking back at me. I've been angry at myself, at my actions. But what I'm sharing tonight is I want to talk about this idea of self-grace and self-forgiveness because it can change your life. It can make a difference. It's made a huge difference in my life, and I'm still walking that journey. I am not perfect. There are some mornings I wake up and I am still beating myself up about past mistakes and past shortcomings. And again, I don't know if there's something for you in your life right now, but I know that I'm not the only person who struggles with this. Even a few weeks ago, I had a woman at the San Jose campus come up to me and share that she was having a hard time giving herself grace, giving herself forgiveness after she wasn't able to be with someone when they passed away. Whatever it is in your life, this can make a difference. And my hope is that as we start this new year, as we start 2019, that you won't live in your past mistakes that you won't live in that reality, but you will allow God to make a huge difference in your life to help you understand that you are forgiven. There is grace for you, and that extends for you giving grace to yourself as well. And so I believe that forgiveness is a spiritual issue, but whether you're here tonight and you are a Christian or not, forgiveness can make a huge difference in your life. Christian and non-Christian scholars and scientists agree that forgiveness is vital to your health. There's been so much research done by neurologists and psychologists to uncover the impact that forgiveness can have on your brain. 
So there's a, a study called How the Brain Heals Emotional Wounds, the Functional Neuroanatomy of Forgiveness. And I'm not trying to be impressive. I did not read the whole thing. I, I, I'm being honest. But I saw this, and this really stuck out to me. And I think it can make a huge impact for us. Being offended or harmed hurts. Victims of wrongdoing may feel emotional pain, anger, and the desire for revenge toward their offenders. And may also engage in retaliatory behavior. Forgiveness is a cognitive and emotional process that eradicates chronic hostility, rumination, and their adverse effects. And so this team of Italian researchers uncovered through their study that, you know, with their brain imaging is that there's actually significant real-time changes that occur when we choose to forgive an offender. Something actually changes in your brain. Something's going on. And that offender applies to yourself as well. When you've done something wrong, when you've hurt someone, you're also the offender and you have to give yourself that forgiveness as well. You know, it's fascinating. When you choose to forgive, there's really this experience of renewal. Uh, when I was growing up, I still remember this phrase that my mom used to always tell me about my siblings. And usually I was beating up my younger brother. But she would say, forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. And while that's a nice pithy phrase, I no longer hold that to be true. I no longer hold on to this idea of forgetting because I know in my life that as time passes, I don't always forget. You can call it a blessing or a curse, but my memory has those things still there. I used to always think, as it says in Scripture, as far as the East is from the West, God has forgiven our sins. And I was like, I want to forget that too. But I've not had that ability. So I no longer think the goal is to forget those past events and those past actions. What I think our goal should be is that over time, we can disassociate the anger and the pain from that memory, from that event that happened. And you can experience real freedom from those things. Now, again, talking about the positive changes of the brain, experiencing freedom, those are all great things. We all would agree that we would want to experience those. But yet, again, I tell you, I still have a hard time extending myself the grace and forgiveness that I need. And so as I've been continuing to learn and grow in this area, as I've been studying just scripture and asking help from counselors and people, Dr. Charles Stanley gave three reasons why sometimes we have a hard time giving ourselves forgiveness. And I want to share those with you tonight. The first one is unbelief. And I believe the journey of self-forgiveness begins with this understanding. God has forgiven you. Now, I'm going to say that again because maybe more important for you tonight than learning how to forgive yourself is that you need to know that the God of the universe loves you and has forgiven you. So I want to say that again. God has forgiven you. And once you come into a full understanding of that, once you come to embrace what that means, that Jesus came and died on the cross, he paid the penalty for your sins, you can then come before God knowing that the Son has paid the ultimate price for all of your actions and inactions. And I don't believe you can experience true healing without understanding this. I don't believe you can experience true self-forgiveness without understanding the, what the cross's role is in this. And so in a letter to the Church of Rome, Paul, who had his life changed after a conversation with Jesus, wrote this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God 
and are justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Jesus paid the penalty for your transgressions and mine. We are made righteous, Romans says, because of what he has done. His blood covers over all, and we are forgiven. In order to truly move forward, in order to truly experience the grace and freedom that is offered to you, you have to understand this truth. God has forgiven you. And when you see yourself through the lens of mistakes and failures, the way you see yourself is not accurate because of what Christ has done for you. You are basically denying the work that Jesus accomplished for you on the cross. The God of the universe says to you that you've messed up, you've fallen short, but I have forgiven you. The punishment has been paid already. However, I find myself not always believing that, and sometimes I say to myself, no, 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 my sins need further punishment. I must suffer for it until I feel like I can be forgiven. But that's not what God says to us. That's not what he's saying to you. Whatever happened in 2018, whatever you may be walking into this room carrying tonight, you can let it go knowing that you are forgiven. Brendan Manning wrote a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel. And in it, he talks a lot about grace. And if you want to read more about grace and that topic, I really encourage this book. It's great. But he writes this in it. Never confuse your perception of yourself with the mystery that you are really accepted. You are accepted, you are loved, and you are forgiven. The second reason that sometimes we have a hard time forgiving ourselves has to do with performance. We all have expectations out of life, out of relationships. You have expectations for yourself, and we can start to develop a false sense of security when we start to do the right thing, when we start performing well and meeting whatever our expectation is. We build up this false sense of security. But then when we start to be inconsistent, we start to miss the mark, we start to fall short of our lofty standards, we start to create this roller coaster ride of elation and depression. You start to get really high on the highs and low on those lows. And when you fail to meet those expectations, if you're like me, you can berate yourself. You can remind yourself of all the ways that you've messed up and fallen short. And actually what you're doing in that moment is you're falling into a form of legalism. You've set a standard for yourself and you've missed the mark and you cannot fathom or allow yourself to be forgiven because of your inability to perform or act according to the standard that you created. Again, as we saw in Romans, the only thing required to receive this forgiveness from God is faith in Christ. That's it. We no longer live under the law. We live under God's grace. All sin is equal. There's no hierarchy of sin that exists. There is no sin that is too great. There is no person that is too far that God's grace cannot reach them and that you can't experience the freedom that's possible. Once you release yourself from that standard that you've created for yourself and place your faith 
in Christ, the freedom is available to you. Manning adds this in the Ragamuffin Gospel. When my head is enlightened and my heart is pierced by this truth, I can accept myself as I am. Genuine self-acceptance is not derived from the power of positive thinking, mind games, or pop psychology. It is an act of faith in the God of grace. Now, I'm not telling you not to have expectations or standards. Have standards. Have expectations for yourself. But they all need to fall under the love and grace of God. And the third reason I want to share that sometimes we have a hard time forgiving ourselves is acceptance. And this one breaks my heart. Because what I mean by acceptance here is that we have accepted that this is just our reality. We've accepted that guilt and condemnation is just the way that we have to live. That's where we're stuck. Everyone experiences it, so I have to experience it too. We believe that that's the way the world works and there's no alternative. And if you've gotten to this place in your life and you've just given up and you've said, this is just my, my lot in life and I have to accept it, I want to tell you that that is not why Jesus came to earth. That's not why he died on the cross. He came to offer you forgiveness, freedom from guilt, and abundant life in him. We can accept this guilt and shame as our reality, and we kind of put ourselves in a prison. We have put ourselves in a cell, and we decided to say this cell is our self-guilt and shame. And when a prisoner gets acclimated to their environment, they say that they've become institutionalized. And some of us have become institutionalized to this experience. We become institutionalized to the shame that we feel when we look back, whether on a decision you made last night, maybe something from 2018, or maybe it goes even further back for you. There's something that you just look back and you're just stuck there. And what I want to say tonight is that the prison doors have been flung open when Jesus came down to earth and he died on the cross, those prison doors were flung open and that freedom is available to you. You don't have to sit in the corner of your cell any longer wallowing in the guilt and shame that maybe you've been stuck in. You don't have to stay there. And if you find yourself in any one of those three categories, whether you're struggling to believe and experience the forgiveness that God offers us, that God really has forgiven you, whether you've adopted a form of legalism because you believe that you should be punished for missing the mark, or if you've accepted guilt and shame as your reality, I want you to know tonight that you have hope and you have a choice. We must actively choose to forgive ourselves. Self-forgiveness is not an overnight process. Again, I'm still walking through it myself. But eventually... If we choose to forgive ourselves enough, the narrative that we tell ourselves, the story that we believe about ourselves, begins to change. And so what do you dwell on? What do you think about when you think about your life? When you look in the mirror, what do you see? What's the story that you tell yourself? I'm a failure. I'm too broken to be loved. Because again, I want you to know tonight that that is not the truth. You need to know that you are loved more than you could ever imagine. 
And before I go any further, this is a heavy issue. And so I know some of you in this room, maybe this is resonating with you. And I want to encourage you, if this is something that you are walking through, I really encourage that you go find a counselor. It has been extremely beneficial to me. Mark or I would be happy to recommend some. Our church is connected to many great men and women who are Christian counselors. For everyone in this room, I believe we should all go to counseling because we are all broken and flawed people. And for you, maybe as you hear this, you're acting, okay, Adam, but what, what can I do this week? Great, I can go find a counselor. Great, I know that I, the way I view myself and I have a hard time forgiving myself, but what can I do this week? And so I want to challenge you to use a tool called reframing this week. I'm going to walk through an example of what that could look like for you. Step one would be to stop and acknowledge the negative thought that maybe you're telling about yourself. The lie that you're saying. Maybe it's, I'm a failure. I deserve to be punished. This is how life is. Then the second step would be to repent and to reframe what you're saying. It could sound as simple as this. I am genuinely sorry for my choices. God has already forgiven me. I accept Jesus as my Savior, and I believe in the Word of God. I choose to believe that if I repent and turn to God, my sins will be wiped out, and I will experience His refreshing and be a new creation. And the third step is to repeat, repeat, repeat. Keep reframing what you're dwelling on and what you're saying to yourself. Keep reframing until this becomes your automatic or natural thought. And my hope for each of you tonight is that you would stop replaying the old recording of sin in your mind, whether it's from a long time ago, last night, last week, but to know that you can rely on God's word, you can rely on what he says in his word, is that you are forgiven, you are beloved, and you are a new creation in him. In 2 Corinthians, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And that is true for each and every one of us this this evening. The old is gone. The new has come. Again, the journey to forgiveness and self-forgiveness is a long one. It's hard. It takes endurance to keep reframing every day, every time you fall short. But as you understand and begin to see yourself the way that God sees you as a new creation, the peace and freedom you experience is like nothing you could have ever imagined. Will you pray with me? God, I just want to lift up every person in this room tonight. God, you know the sins that we have held on to, the failures and the shortcomings that we refuse to let ourselves free of. And God, I pray tonight that whatever those things are, the things that we have been reminding ourselves of, God, I pray that you would help us see ourselves as a new creation. God, that you would help us to reframe our reality in a way that we will understand and view ourselves the way that you see us, as forgiven as beloved. God, freedom is an experience that uh, is just so incredible. And so God, I pray that over everyone in this room, the chains and the prison that they have been sitting in, God, I pray that they would experience freedom in you. God, that they would know in a deep and a real way tonight how loved they are by you and what you call them.
and that's forgiven. We pray this in your name. Amen.